0: Everyone and welcome to the Chicago Techies podcast, a podcast focused on highlighting the voices of Chicago techies and their experiences. I'm your host Ceci fisher bernites and I'm really excited to have you here. On today's episode, I am joined by Tori Mesquino, user experience designer at Bontius. Hey, Tori! Thank you so much for joining me in this we- uh, this week's episode of the Chicago Techies podcast. I'm so excited to chat with you. Um, I'm also really excited because you're the first non-technical person I've had in the show. Uh, I want to be a little better about uh, mixing up the guests so that I don't just, you know, have people that are coders (laughs) uh, all the time Um, because there are so many career paths in tech that you don't need to code. You know, there's there's a space for all of us, whether it's a software engineer, a designer, a product manager, or project manager. Um, So I'm really excited to hear about your background and your work. Um, so why don't we start with your name, your pronouns, where you're from, your occupation, and anything else you want to share?
1: Awesome. Yeah, I'm so honored to be here. Um, my name is Tori Moschino, uh, technically Victoria, but I've always gone by Tori. Um, my pronouns are she, her, hers. I'm originally from Arlington Heights, but I've been in Chicago for the last eight or so years. Um, I work as a user experience designer at a company called Bounteous based in Chicago. Um, Been at that for a little over a year and a half.
0: That's awesome. And you know, I actually, um, I'm always curious about the differences between a a user experience designer and like a UI designer. Mm -hmm. Like like I think that's user interface, right? Yes. Um, Okay. So I guess in your own words, like how would you describe like the differences between the two or are they the same? So
1: there are some people who do both um, or are hybrid or there are some companies that kind of consider them the same, I think. Um, user experience tends to, to be more of like the, the research side of things. You do user interviews, stakeholder interviews, um, you research sort of like best practices behind functionality, it's where kind of the start of thinking about accessibility happens. A lot of these things also blend over into UI design, um, but that's sort of like the visual design piece of it and making sure that buttons are the right size and and that sort of thing. So wireframing happens in the UX side of things, turning that into a comp um, that sort of has the colors and, and the look of the final design um, and the specs that dev will take, that happens in UI.
0: That's that's pretty much like the best description I've ever heard because I just like I'm usually oblivious to what's going on or what people are saying. Um, <laughs> so did you go to school for UX um, design or did you do a program or a boot camp or something of that sort?
1: So I did go to school for it but I didn't start in it. I probably changed my major like five or six or like 10 times before I found UX design. Um, I went to DePaul university and I ended up with simultaneous bachelor degrees and two minors partially because I switched things so many times. Um, So I have a bachelor of science in user experience design, a bachelor of arts in media and cinema studies, and then minors in it and general psychology
0: that's definitely a variety of different things. I feel like there are so many people that, um, you know, go to school and study something else and then they end up not using what they (laughs) studied originally. Uh, I'm also a product with that. Like I studied Spanish, you know, and I don't really, I mean, I actually use it uh, and I actually, actually fun fact, I just used it this week because we are working uh, on a get your refund project for Code for America. And we're actually doing a website uh, completely in Spanish. So I oh, joined awesome. the team to uh, translate, and I've been kind of translating that this this whole week, and it's been such a fun project. So Spanish is coming useful now.
1: <laughs> That's so great.
0: Yeah. Um, so I actually have not even announced that in the, the podcast that um, that I get a job, but yeah, I I started a Code for America on June third, and uh, it's been yeah I guess this Wednesday will be two weeks and it's so awesome
1: (laughs) I'm so happy for you
0: yeah I love it it's such a great place to work it's such like a civically minded um engaged population there it's it's just so it's just such a good fit you know yeah
1: that's so good that it was like you know, you waited so long, and you were trying to find like the perfect spot, and now it sounds like it was like worth the wait. And like,
0: a for great sure, business. for yeah. sure. So yeah. So anyway, so did you always kind of intended to get into kind of the tech scene? Um, as you went through college, did you always know that this was going to be your goal, or how did you happen to come across into tech?
1: It's a good question. I, I think like many people my age, I kind of, uh, you know, you learned how to code from MySpace or like being on forums or blogs or whatever. Um, so I, I had learned a little bit of like what people think of as front end development. So HTML, CSS, JavaScript, which is a very like minor part of front end. Um, and so I took a class at DePaul that filled a science requirement um, that involved front-end development. And I was like, I didn't know that there were careers that used this. Um, and so then I kind of learned about the the UX program at DePaul, which was kind of like a dev graphic design UX hybrid. Um, but prior to that, I mean, that was my junior year. And prior to that, I didn't necessarily see myself in tech, um, which I think is probably common for a lot of women. You don't, you know, you're not brought up to consider it, the College of Computing and Digital Media at DePaul was out of the way. Um, I didn't know necessarily any of my friends at the time in it. Um, so it was it wasn't something that I saw myself in, but once I was in the major, um, I did want to be in tech. I didn't necessarily wanting, wanted, I didn't necessarily want to do UX for um, you know a non-tech company. I kind of wanted to be in a consultancy or an agency environment. Um, but prior to to knowing that tech jobs even existed, which is my own ignorance, um, I didn't think about it.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I wouldn't say like it's like your own ignorance. You know, I feel like it, it's <laughs> been it's been a, it's been kind of a trend um, with a lot of people that I've talked to. Like, you know, especially for like women and minorities, like we don't always see ourselves in in that space. And that's also that yeah, that can be because we're we're kind of unaware of all the things that are out happening. Um, and uh, and we're trying to change that. I feel like there's there's just so many groups out there that are trying to change that and 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 introduce either coding or just any tech related activity um, to school so that kids can be aware that this is something they can they can do that. so that's actually some some part of my work and my goals too to kind of um, be more inclusive of communities and and get the word out there. Um, so I guess this kind of that kind of goes into that have you ever participated in any activities that support different communities like such as introducing into tech um, or working with different groups?
1: Yeah. I mean, every year um, DePaul and actually the company I'm, I'm with now Bounteous um, does the code.org. They volunteer every year around December. It's Oh, hour of code, hour of code. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Where you go into schools and, um, I did, uh, at some points talk to the girls that I babysat. I regularly babysat for years about coding and they would do it through Girl Scouts sometimes. Um, and so there were also times that I was kind of like planting that seed in their ear of like, you know, you can make a career out of this. This is kind of what I do. Um, so in that way, yes. But, um, I haven't done a whole lot outside of that besides, you know, some networking events and meetups. Um, But I really like Hour of Code and I would like to find something that's probably more year round and brings, um, you know, shows people that there's, there's more to tech necessarily also than just, um, just coding. There's so many, (laughs) there's so many things out there that you can do that are like tangentially related to tech.
0: Yeah. Cool. That's, yeah, that's awesome. I have, I have heard of an hour of code before, and um, and I kind of did that a little bit. I when I when I switched to tech, I started this kind of like mini organization with a friend of mine called Latinx Code, where mm-hmm. where we would um, go to different schools or just reach out to schools so they could send us their kids and we could introduce them to either HTML and CSS or or like anything about electricity or you know just STEM related yeah. content. And I think that's super important that. Um, that we do that and, and get definitely more involved with communities to kind of you know help with that work. So that's pretty cool. Um, switching gears a little bit, um, but kind of in topic still. I I would imagine that as a designer, um, you're required to kind of be more conscious of folks with disabilities or that people that have some type of impairment, uh, such as deaf, hearing, you know, visually impaired, colorblind, among others. Um, how have you practiced that in, within your work? Yeah,
1: um, we have a few people on just at Bounteous in general that are part of a few different departments that are kind of our um, like accessibility advisory board, and they put on a few different lunch and learns to kind of um, bring awareness to accessibility in websites. Um, Karen, who is on the experience design team she has given and has given us access to tons of presentations that she has related to accessibility. Um, she just was at a virtual conference a couple of weeks ago and gave us the same presentation that she gave to the conference around accessibility. Um, she's walked us through workshops, you know, using the software that um, people who don't have, you know, necessarily like full vision or full hearing um or are you know differently impaired in some way how what their experience is like so that we can understand that and um, we have like aggregated websites that we can and resources that we can use to sort of point out things um, the ui designers worry a little bit more about accessible colors and that sort of thing um, the developers worry about alt text and making sure that Images are accessible and it's, it's something that's very front of mind right now um, for clients that we work with because it's, you know, big lawsuits right now, but it's been front of mind for our developers and our designers because they know and or care about the issue. Like they know somebody who uses a computer differently than they do. Um, some people even talk about how they use services that were created for people with disabilities Because it makes them, an able-bodied person, it makes the experience easier for them too. Um, You know, you might have two kids in each hand. You might not be able to listen to a video because they're screaming in your ear. Subtitles help you, you know, regardless of whether you can hear out of both ears or not. So.
0: Yeah, that's great, that's great. Um, and um, and just kind of like for anyone that might not be kind of familiar with the term, accessibility is basically the practice of making your websites usable by as many people as possible. Um, we traditionally think of this as being like about people with disabilities, but the practice of making sites accessible also benefits other groups, like people that are using um, mobile devices uh, or that are you know slow network connections and things like that. Um, and that actually, all of this makes me think of back in 2007 when um, the iPhone came out and they, Apple didn't offer voiceover yet. Uh, so there were so many people that were basically left out yeah. um, of having that device. Um, but thankfully, like in uh, three, I think two years later, when the iPhone 3 came out, the um, VoiceOver became available, and a screen kind of reading that technology was part of the um, iOS um, design after. So, um, that's just kind of an example of how uh, more people become, like, have more access to to these kind of uh, things um, because it's important. You know, there's like 15 people of the global population that are like that have some type of disability. So, I I love that you get to do kind of your part in that work too. so I'm just kind of curious now, what's, what's your favorite part about your job? Oh my gosh,
1: that's hard. Um, I think I feel really lucky to be part of a really amazing team. I, when I was first out of college, I actually wasn't working in tech. Um, I was working using sort of my communications degree a little bit more. Um, and I really missed doing UX and it was about you know, two years, maybe, maybe a year and a half post-graduation that I, I, finally made my grand return, um, to UX design. And it was refreshing to be part of a team that was so willing to teach, um, and be open to letting me try things and, and sort of creating this space where I could, make attempts but also have mentorship and ask questions if I needed to and it and knowing that somebody would be able to answer um and it feels very collaborative it feels like I am in a safe spot to learn I feel like I learn something new every project every day um, and I really appreciate all of the people that have been there before I did creating that environment because there's you know, sometimes a reputation in tech that it's kind of, you need to, you know, self-teach, you need to like research everything. And there is definitely an aspect of you should look things up or try something before you ask, um, and give it your best shot and come in with informed questions. But, um, I never felt like anybody was judging me. It was a very helpful environment to start my UX career in.
0: That's, that's great. And, and kind of like on that, what you just said on the topic of mentorship, um, h- how did you go about finding your mentors within your field or within your community?
1: Yeah, I mean, within my job, we are, when you start at Bounteous, you are, regardless of whether you're an intern like I was or you start full-time or you're a contractor, you're set up with a mentor and a career coach and your career coach is kind of your manager and your mentor kind of um, during non-COVID times shows you around the office. Um And lets you know, you know, if you aren't, if you don't have access to like Sketch or um, Photoshop, like they'll point you in the direction of who you need to ask about that kind of stuff. Um, And then my mentor who started in that sort of aspect of things, like took me to lunch my first day, all of that kind of stuff, um, became a real mentor to me and was somebody that I could go to for questions. She's such an expert when it comes to e-commerce she just knows things off of the top of her head and she's a really good person to gut check with um, and a really great and gentle teacher um, and encourages you to to think through things in a different way um, and then outside of work i mean i've i've found mentorship in my peers um when i've gone to meetups i've pretty consistently gone to lesbian who tech meetups in chicago out in tech meetups um, I find that like kind of merging my um, like employment in the tech industry with the fact that I'm part of the LGBTQ community like creates this very unique space um, and a similar environment of like people are really willing to teach and definitely want to like form friendships and and talk about things and talk about you know all of the work left to do in tech and and what they're working on and um So that's been really nice, too, and and that's sort of how I found people is either, you know, traditionally through school and the professors I had or through work and how that's set up or through going to meetups with people with shared interests.
0: I love that Vontias has that, um, like kind of like a, you know, they pair you up with a mentor and a coach. it's very similar to the body concept that most companies use, so that's um, that's something that obviously is super helpful. Um, and you you kind of mentioned a lot of different things in your answer, so I'm just kind of gonna try to go, go back and pick to those things. Um, I have talked a lot about mentorship and peer mentorship in this in this show, so I'm super glad that you you know you're another voice kind of echoing the importance of like having that peer um, peer mentorship. Uh, as an option, you know, because I feel like I learned so much from all my friends too, and I mean you included um, and I love that. I love that you you know you brought a, a voice to that. So you mentioned a little bit of community groups, um, you know out in tech, less tech, and um, other organizations that kind of have helped you um, uh, kind of just navigate the industry. Um, Looking back to that more, more of the social aspect, have you had any um, struggles that you faced um, within tech as being part of the LGBT community, um, or just overall? Have you had any any situations where you've struggled?
1: You know, I'm really grateful that in my current job environment, I have not struggled. I've been out almost pretty much since day one, um, but it is something that you know when I was interviewing places or even in some jobs, um, that I had during college and, and even when I was just first starting to come out, it was something that I struggled with. And I know, um, I have friends that have struggled with it. And, you know, up until this ruling, there were States that, you know, you couldn't technically be out in, or you could be out, but you, you know, you could lose your job. Um, if not under the right employer, I haven't, I haven't felt that way at Bounteous. I'm really grateful for that. But you hear horror stories, and um, there are sometimes. I actually, I, I run our our Pride ERG. Um, it's called Be Proud, because the be in Bounteous. Um, and there are sometimes that I'm even on calls with people, and I will like hesitate before I say like my girlfriend or like some, something that tangentially relates to like me being part of the LGBTQ community. And I'm like, why is that instinct there? And it's it's because there are a lot of places where it's not okay, or or you're you don't know how to feel it out, or you don't know you know how to find your people. Um, so I'm grateful that outside groups exist. You know, even though out in tech is called out in tech, you don't need to be out to be part of it. Um, and I have found that a lot of people find solace in being there, which is nice. Um, and I'm glad that environment exists. I feel really lucky
0: (laughs) no i agree and i mean i was also kind of involved with lesbian tech for a while um and have participated in some of the events that out in tech has had um i i honestly just believe in the importance of like being yourself you know your whole self at work um and i i love that you just you also kind of you were conscious of that kind of group existing in an, in the company where you were interviewing, because that's so important. Like, I definitely also have um, dedicated time when, during my job search to make sure that the companies that I'm applying for um, are very, like, either DEI focused or have that kind of pride support group, you know, where where I would feel safe. So I think that's definitely something that a lot of companies should be looking at and make sure that they have that kind of community within their own like workplace. Um, those, those spaces are super important. Um, so now I'm kind of like curious about kind of like your experience. I know that you went to school um, for, for design and so you've kind of had that, that, that typical experience of the university and, and among other classes, right, subjects. Mm-hmm. What advice would you share with someone that may go that university route uh, for design? Or someone that may go through a bootcamp because I know that those are also now available They have UX/UI design bootcamps uh, in Chicago and other cities. So, um, what's a piece mm-hmm. of advice you would share?
1: Totally. I mean, I don't I don't feel like it, either route is better than the other. Um, I think they're both very valid ways to get into the industry. I think um, one piece of advice that I sort of wish I had when I was um, looking to switch from the more communications route that I was on into tech when it came to like my career, um, is that I think internships, and I mean, make sure they're paid, but internships are a really valuable way to get into user experience design. That's sort of the new entry level that I found with a lot of tech companies. Um, and that's how I started at Bounteous. I had been in the workforce for a year and a half already, um, not necessarily doing UX, though. I snuck it in where I could. But I think one of the, the really valuable things is like being okay with being an intern, being okay with starting from the ground level and learning as you go and um, being open to lots of different opportunities. Um, there are ways that, you know, you can you can go to a boot camp and learn UX. You could minor in UX if you're doing something else already in school and you don't, you know, university is expensive and you might not have enough wiggle room to make a whole major out of it. Um, there are ways to do it when you're doing email marketing. There are ways to kind of pick up on UX principles and use them in a ton of different careers. Um, So I would say, first and foremost, be open to different opportunities.
0: That's great. Um, Now, I I actually kind of want you to look back at what you just said about, um, you know, Mm -hmm. starting with internships. Looking back um, to when you, after you graduated from Nepal, um, Mm -hmm. when you started kind of looking at internships, what are some of the steps that you took to find that first internship?
1: I, I found my internship, my my experience at Bounteous started because of who I knew. It was actually my my first friend from DePaul um, was telling me that there were openings at this place that he had just started. He really liked the company. He asked if I was still looking for somewhere to work because I had I had left my previous job, and I was like, Yeah, absolutely, I'm open to it. Um, I sent him over my resume. He put me into a referral portal and the rest is sort of history. I interviewed, um, and started the position and all that. Um, so in that sense, it, it was networking without even realizing I was networking, but my advice to people that I talk to, you know, there are a lot of people looking for, for positions right now and it's a unique time. Um, but if you're in the Chicago area built in Chicago is a great resource to, find, um, you know, like midsize companies that are hiring, I find that like midsize companies, smaller companies really care about um, their employees and are very um, open to change and open to learning. Um, we didn't necessarily have ERGs when I started, but it was something that was on the company's mind. It's easier at a mid-sized company to have something grassroots like that. Um, we at a larger company. You might feel a little lost. So I always love to recommend built in because they work very closely with the companies that they advertise for. Um, and there are usually internship opportunities and a lot of great interviews with people who work there about why they love it. Um, and yeah, I would, I would encourage people to reach out to people that they admire on LinkedIn and, Network that way. Unfortunately, like you can't go to meetups, which are a great resource um, usually for networking and finding people um, and getting business cards and sort of setting up coffee. But don't be afraid to use LinkedIn, which is the professional social media right now, um, to reach out to people that you admire and people that you would like to mentor you and um, people that you want to know more about what they do and how they got to where they are. It's a really great resource to connect, especially right now.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I actually, I I love Built in Chicago too. Um, That's the first place I look, um, you know, whenever I'm interested in in companies or for, or whatever jobs are, were available before when I was unemployed. Um, I also love my news from there. (laughs) They have a great section for news too, about what's happening in Chicago. Um, It's, it's a really, uh, definitely a a really good website. Mm -hmm. Um I I was doing some stalking, obviously, as I usually do. Uh how uh I know that you're definitely into personal finance and uh you're training to be your own 5k PR. Yes. Um what do you do for fun besides you know uh personal finance and running? Because I don't know how that's a hobby. And just like finding the best <laughs> chocolate. Like what do you do? <laughs> what do you do for fun?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I've been reading a lot in uh in quarantine slash isolation um I've been going on a lot of walks I actually haven't been doing that much like personal finance reading or or hot chocolate drinking um or running for that matter actually you know (laughs) given that our lungs are a little bit you know at risk here um yeah it's been a lot of I mean as also like having a media and cinema studies bachelor's degree I I enjoy TV watching for leisure, but I also enjoy it for analyzing it. Um, Community is finally on Netflix, so I've been re-watching that. Highly recommend that show. Um, yeah, it's been a lot of that and Schitt's Creek and reading and um, playing Animal Crossing, as probably everybody else in America. I can see your Nintendo Switch behind you. Um, <laughs>
0: Yeah, busted so, yeah.
1: but it's been a great way to connect with my friends without you know being able to see them you know you're we and that in Fortnite. we've been playing Fortnite with the 10 year old boys of the world um which has been really really fun actually good team building <laughs> activity and bounteous has actually had a bunch of programming like we have done trivia nights um like every other week uh we've had benefit concerts we've um engaged in some safe space conversations we've There have been a lot of things that that Bounteous has done in the wake of of COVID and with like Black Lives Matter protests that are going on to make sure that we all feel connected in a time that, you know, we might not be connected again until physically in person until long after Labor Day even. Um, So there, and we have, you know, all hands meetings to understand what's going on with the company. So in that way, I felt very taken care of. Um, and very aware of what's what's sort of going on and I have activities to do to keep me busy with people at work and then I also have ways that I'm connecting with friends virtually um
0: yeah that's, that's <laughs> definitely great I um I've also been playing a lot of Animal Crossing but yeah I'm I, I love that you know Bontius has uh, all those programs for you guys and that's definitely super important you know, to keep us all sane. Now, I'm kind of curious about you and what are your goals for your future? You know what's next for Tori?
1: That's a really great question. Um what's next for me? I am looking forward to working on a, a few different projects, some of which I already am aware of right now, just through work and some of which are kind of like pipe dreams down the line. Um, I I'm really excited to like grow more in UX. Um, I'm really excited to hopefully mentor a few people um, who are still in school or that I've connected with over LinkedIn, actually, um, and gain more mentorship myself. This year is the technically the second year that Bounteous is formally celebrating Pride with our ERG and I'm, I'm learning definitely as I go and I'm seeking mentorship all the time from people who already have done this at other companies that are at Bounteous now and um, CCI will probably be reaching out to you very soon for advice too. Um, and yeah, just, just looking to grow that more and and help it get to the next step and really, you know, explore the intersections between a few of our different ERGs and, um, exploring, you know, how how what it means to celebrate all year round, and how we can, you know, infuse programming throughout the year, and not just during June, and not just when landmark LGBTQ cases are are being decided, um, and and making sure to celebrate in addition to like remembering the origins and how far we've come. So that's that's my immediate focus right now um, is just kind of like growing more as a designer and growing more as an ERG leader and learning from the people around me.
0: That's amazing. I mean, that's, Definitely hit the nail on the head for all the things that I also care about and the things that I want to see happen and the things that I want to see celebrated, um, but also kind of remembering those roots and where we come from. Um, I think it's definitely been uh, a, a topic right now, you know, because totally. not just because of the Black Lives Matter movement, but um, because I mean, yeah, that because that's how Stonewall started, you know, the way mm-hmm. they were rioting, there was um, there was police brutality involved, and I think it's definitely. Um, important to be talking about these issues and uh in a workplace too because we are you know we're expected to bring our whole selves to work right or um and I, I feel like you can't do your job without addressing like the the things that you care for totally um, but I definitely re- all of that resonates with me um, so how can people connect with you Tori I mean do you have LinkedIn Twitter Instagram whatever you want to share
1: yeah I do have LinkedIn um, I'm on there as Tori Moschino. It's M E S C H I N O. It's an Italian last name. It actually means petty. Um, I am on Instagram. I uh it's another confusing one at V I C and then four underscores and then a it's Victoria and then the Tori part of it is all underscores. Um so you can follow me there. And yeah, that's that's where I am.
0: I really like torturing you, uh, like spelling all of that, because I'm still going to add um, the links in the, in the show notes, but, you know, it was fun watching you.
1: <laughs> it's fine. People, people can listen and be like, yes, as I'm typing.
0: <laughs> yeah, um,
1: I, I'm the only person with my name as
0: far as I know. So thank you so much, Sori, for coming to the show and joining me today. I know that um, it's, you know, it can be tricky with times and all that but and schedules, but I really appreciate it.
1: No thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed listening so far too. um I think this is an awesome, awesome podcast, and it's voices and people you know that i've one of whom I've met tangentially through you um but have never gotten to really hear her story so it was really it's really it's really neat, and I'm glad you're doing this
0: oh thanks yeah I'm really i am that was the goal you know to just highlight people's stories and, 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 you know, by doing that, I think we all can learn a thing or two. So, really appreciate you. Yeah. Appreciate you too. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Chicago Techies Podcast. We really enjoyed talking to Tori about her career trajectory and her journey becoming a user experience designer. We especially liked listening to how the awareness of accessibility is practiced in her role. If you enjoyed listening, don't forget to subscribe, share, and leave a review on iTunes. Let's continue the conversation on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us at @chicagotechies Chicago Techies on all social media platforms. Thank you again, and we'll see you in two weeks.